And then, of course, after a few years, I always, I always had this thing about dying, you know. And then I thought I would die young. No, the opposite happened. My husband died. You know, he was thirty-three. I was thirty-two, and that was, of course, changed my life forever. You know. And then, you know, I suddenly realized, my God, I, I don't even know who I am as a woman. I, I have no idea. And then I, I started to feel myself and then, you know, started to question the spiritual path because most of the spiritual path is run through men. Yeah, when you look at the spiritual leaders, they're all men. And then suddenly I was like, oh, no, how come? I mean, and what is about women's enlightenment? must be very, very different. You know, and why is nobody talking about that? Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey family, welcome to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. I'm over here smiling because we have a very special guest today. Her name is Turia Hanover. She has walked a path that both I know Shana and I deeply admire. What she's been trained in and who she is and how she exists is very inspiring to us. So a little bit about her. She has been trained in many different modalities, such as gestalt, bioenergetics, psychodrama, family therapy, NLP, hypnosis, somatic experiencing, ego psychology, family constellation, Enneagram, astrology, and essence work. So basically all the cool stuff in the world she's been trained in. And her work focuses on healing the wounds of the past and transforming old rigid ego patterns into experiences of joy, acceptance, and a love of life. Turia is the co-founder of Path Retreats and the transformational process Path of Love with Rafia Morgan. This seven-day intensive process is held worldwide and has truly changed many people's lives. And there's many, many other things I can say about her. She as a school for counseling, training, training people to be these transformational leaders, as well as a program called Initiating into Essene, which I'm hoping we get to because that sounds really powerful and really amazing. And she's been leading many group processes worldwide for the awakening, healing, and evolution of women and our feminine nature and wisdom. So Without further ado, I want to welcome our our guest and our new friend, Toria, to our podcast. Welcome, welcome. 
Welcome to both of you. As I said before, I think the work that you do is absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I'm so in support of it and whatever I can do to support you so that you can really bring, you know, that spirit that you have and, and that enthusiasm and the wisdom that you have, that you can bring that into the world. The world really, really needs it right now. And I'm so happy you guys just are taking it in. You know, so a big initiative is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. So thank you. Thank you for it and all my love and support and, you know, and all the difficulty it is to build something up like that because mm -hmm. I know what it takes. It takes so much. Yeah, I feel like the work in itself is the initiation, so, right? <laughs> anyway, really beautiful. Thank it's like, you can guys. you really trust and believe and hold on and and see beyond, you know, what we were talking about before this call, that ego, the all the ego stuff, the ego traps and all the ways that we can get stuck in our own things and requires a lot. Yeah, it requires a lot, but it is also part of the journey that we get confronted with. You know, that is part of being human, that you are confronted with your ego structures. Mm -hmm. I mean, we create a path of love and we have lots of, lots of, I mean, the processes, then we're all in essence and everybody is, you know, I am God and I'm the goddess and everything. But then when it comes down to work and who does what and come competition and who gets which position, then we deal with our ego defenses. It's and to expose that is, I feel that is when the real growth starts to happen, you know, to see how uh, limited we can be and how idiotic we are sometimes. And still we do it, you know, which is right. Yeah, it seems like relationally is when, like, where we belong and what we deserve, when that gets triggered. And that sense of a lack of safety within the pecking order or with the pack, I feel like that's when things can get really triggered. Big issue, you know, that's how the whole psychology starts, really. We, we start creating an ego structure because we want to be loved. Yeah, and then we don't get loved, so we do all kinds of hoo-hahs to get loved, you know. And that, of course, later are in the way of really getting loved anything but love. It creates just the opposite, you know, as we know. But of course, the nice thing is when you get old, you can sit back a little bit more and see it with a bit more relaxation, you know. But So speaking of hoo-hahs that we create, we start creating as children to receive the love. Recently, I had a memory come back of me faking an injury, an absolute silly injury. I wanted attention, I presume. And so I, I took out this drawer in the refrigerator that was filled with apples and I placed it on my ankle and I put some ketchup on my leg and I screamed for help <laughs> pretending I broke my leg. And that memory <laughs> has resurfaced in a really interesting way for me. And I'm integrating like, oh, that child that needed to do that. And I'm curious about you as a child and the the journey you've been on that has led you to follow so many healing paths and and to, to learn different modalities and then to hold such a profound space of healing for so many around the world and what is that the who has or the the journey that you went on 
to become the woman you are today? Well, because I was born 1948, so I was born into the uh, after post-war Germany, you know, and so I'm I'm born into a big trauma situation, basically. You know, Germany was flattened out. There was a huge collective trauma in there. And, of course, the personal trauma. I mean, my, my, my parents, my grandparents had two world wars in their life. I mean, we can't even imagine that, you know. They got twice bombed out and lost everything and and whatnot and lost people and sons died. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So... Of course, then we didn't know about trauma or we didn't know about collective trauma, but I'm, I'm born with that kind of cloud hanging in there and our parents didn't want to talk. You know, it, it was just, let's get on with life, let's make money, let's, let's build up the country, you know. And so I think our whole generation went into a lot of revolt against this whole thing. You know, it's like uh, the 70s, the, the student revolution started and... We ask questions, you know, I felt burdened by that Germanness. You know, it was like somebody asked you, you know, I went to England to visit family and there are or to visit friends and it's like, where do you come from? Germany. You feel like oh God, you know, in, in the fifties there was like you didn't want to be German. It was horrible to be a German. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm born into a traumatic situation and that was the feeling that I had and that I wanted just to get out. Then I went to boarding school, and funnily enough, I I fell in love there with my future husband, and I married into a royal European royal family, so just the opposite. So I went to the other end. I was commoner, and he was, um, they were very royal. Uh, Of course, in the beginning, that is fantastic. You know, it's like what every little girl dreams of is like you become a princess and the guy comes on the white horse and, you know, you do all these amazing things, yeah. And, um, of course, that was amazing for a while, but it's just another world where I then felt like, you know, that's the other extreme. I felt like also, no, that's not my world either. It's just completely superficial and full of structures and what you should do, what you should not do, you know. And it, if if you're not born the right way, you make sure you feel it, that you're not part of it. So when we got our, our daughter, when she was born, I, I realized anyway that... Um, we realized we don't want to be part of that life. We didn't want to move from castle to castle. And uh, we threw everything out. We studied in Stuttgart at the time in South Germany through all the kind of the royal, the chairs and the lamps. And, you know, there's a particular way how you set up your house. We threw everything out and we became hippies. We slept with mattresses on the floor and, yes, we became hippies and we went into the revolutionary marches and we got a daughter and we decided to bring her up completely free. No more you should do, don't do this. You know, just we went all the way to the with Summer Hill. You know, it's like trust the children, let them be free and don't regulate everybody all the time. Of course, that led us then to do groups and we entered, we, we started a big group process in CIST as a German growth center that 
was the that was very modern and very new then. And after we've been, of course, going onto the street and screaming "Ho Ho Ho Chi Minh," I realized, you know, the the change has to come from inside. It's not going to happen outside. It's too violent. People got killed. People died. I was like. If anything has to change, it has to change inside of me. So I started a Jungian therapy first, and then we both went to a growth center, and that's how we started with all these different groups. So we did nine months. There were 16 people out of most of them were couples and children, and we did one group after the other, Gestalt, Bionergetic, Primal Scream, whatnot, so it was like a huge time of inner revolution, you know. It was really like a big shift. And once you start, you can't stop. Because when you can see what can happen, when you look at yourself and when you open up, oh my God, it's like a different life. Yeah. We lived out in the countryside, you know, like I said, we became hippie, we sold our own clothes to the great dismay of my in-laws, and they were all like, oh my God, what are they doing? This is horrible, you know? Everybody was shocked. And then after that, after we were there for a year, then we decided, I always had this thing about dying, and then I thought, I have forgiven my parents, and I have kind of sorted myself out, more or less. I can feel I'm present but I still don't know how to die. So within two weeks, we sold everything and we went overland to India and we said, let's find somebody who is enlightened. I always say we both had this thing about enlightenment, you know, from early on. There must be something else in this life here than just what we do here. There must be some bigger dimension of freedom, you know. So we then packed everything up with a five-year-old child and bought a cheap post bus, blue of color, <laughs> went overland to Afghanistan, to Iran. Wonderful journey. Unfortunately, it's all destroyed today. You know, it's uh, painful. But And then we ended up, anyway, we ended up first, uh, we got an address of, a, of the teacher of the Dalai Lama and the, the guy came to us and we talked to the translator, who you can also see in the movie, the latest movie of the Dalai Lama. And he said, well, the guy you have the recommendation for, he just got sent to Zurich to run the Zurich Monastery. So he's not here anymore. So then we went on and then we, anyway, then we went to India and then we ended up in an ashram and uh, sat in front of an enlightened person, you know, and became sannyasins and lived there and meditated and I learned to do groups, but groups that are always connected to meditation, not only therapy. Therapy alone is not enough, not enough for me and I think also not enough for real healing. You know, it needs healing and it needs meditation also. So... Anyway, and then, of course, after a few years, I always I always had this thing about dying, you know, and then I thought I would die young. No, the opposite happened. My husband died. You know, he was 33, I was 32. And that was, of course, changed my life forever, you know. Of course, in India, 
you take the body, you carry it to the river. I had to burn him. I had to burn it because, uh, you know, as a wife, you had to get pilot up. And then they put uh, um, ghee in there so that it burns well. And people, friends, and the community was around and we were all singing so that the spirit could really lift up and go. Yeah, I mean, it's like, wow, it was like it really changed my life. Even today when I think, like I see myself before that and then I felt like I only started to become a person after that in a way, you know. Until then I was the wife, I was a sannyasin. Of course I was also me, but it felt like something completely existential shifted inside of me, you know. Suddenly I wasn't the wife anymore. I was like, who am I then? You know, what's my identity? And could you, did you stay in India? Did you stay in India after that? Yeah, I stayed in India for a little bit longer, and then, but then I had the I then and then I started to question. I stayed for for a while longer, but then after a while, I started to question: Who am I really? You know, am I just a sannyasin? Yeah, that's one identity. But who I am as a woman? You know, mm-hmm. what? So when I left. Then this whole journey started. There was also. Uh, in the 90s, we only started to look at trauma. You know, before trauma wasn't talked about, main, it wasn't a mainstream subject. Nobody talked about trauma in the 70s. We did all kinds of things. Nobody said, hey, that's traumatizing. You know, that was completely unheard of. In the 90s, suddenly that came up. And then, you know, I suddenly realized, my God, I, I don't even know who I am as a woman. I, I have no idea. And then I, I started to feel myself and then, you know, started to question the spiritual path because most of the spiritual path is run through men. Right. Yeah. When you look at the spiritual leaders, they're all men. And then suddenly I was like, oh, no, how come? I mean, and what is about women's enlightenment? must be very, very different, you know, and why is nobody talking about that? So then I started to look at patriarchal systems, I started to explore into my own trauma inside, you know, where I disconnected from myself in the name of being a sannyasin, where you basically, you, you, you disengage from yourself, you go above it, you know, but you don't really feel, you know, you don't go into the deeper feelings of yourself. So, and then the whole journey really started about what does it mean to be a to be a woman, you know? And then all the sexual abuse suddenly got exposed. But until then, we hadn't looked, we hadn't worked with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, of course, I, at, at my own situation where I, especially on the spiritual path as a woman, you become like a, you become an egoless servant in a way, you know? You don't have an ego. That is the idealized form. So, but I had to get out to even feel that and to see that, you know. So it's the highest form to be a surrendered feminine, you know. But then uh, in my surrender, I'm also a very pleasing woman, yeah. And then uh, I please in my relationship. Suddenly I thought, yeah, I please. And then what's the difference between surrender, pleasing, and submission? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what is that in the spiritual path that they actually uh, want women to be? You know, there's the, the, the enlightened person, 
and then the women are around, you know, cleaning the house and cleaning everything and, and creating the space. But in myself, I felt like in, in relationship, I could see I'm just a complete pleaser. You know, I do anything you want me to do. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, I woke up to a whole different reality, Yeah, especially in relationship, because I'm, I, I was like, I thought I'm not going to be a bloody doormat. So then I had to deal with another part of my own uh, traumatic situation, of course, you know, and then look at the women who are trained to please centuries, what we learned so much, you know, do it right for the men and, you know, be submissive and, 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 you know, so that, that came with it. And that was really, um, it opened up a whole different part of, of my inner development that I haven't, hadn't even seen before because the role of a sannyasin was very, very clearly defined and that's what you do and that's what you don't do, you know? Your story is incredible to hear. It's incredible to hear. We often talk about how the women of your generation and all the women that have come before have pioneered new pathways, kind of like how you have to create a new neural pathway in your brain. You are one of those pioneers who created a pathway that now has made it more accessible for women like Shana and I and the women listening to walk that path of, you know, discovering all of this about ourselves and, and the unlearning of the patriarchal conditioning and trauma. And my question for you more specifically right now is you, you propose the difference between what is the difference between surrendered and submissive. And I want you to actually share with us and our community what you have discovered about that as you've been in all these workshops and you've continued to grow. What what is the difference between surrendered and submissive? For me, in, in, in a way, when, when I was a, what I would call a surrendered sannyasin, that, that in itself was an identity that was uh, complete, you know, that was okay. Yeah? But then in a relationship, if I then to my partner say yes to everything, that's not okay. You know, then uh, and then I suddenly realized in relating with some, not somebody who sits up on a, uh, 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 you know, who's a guru or master or whatever, but somebody one on one. And suddenly it's like some relating needs to happen, and it's not just like I say yes to everything. I have to be part of two, of of the relating too, and I didn't know that. You know, suddenly it was like, what do you really want? I don't know. Whatever. You know, I do it. Yeah, and suddenly I realized, no, I don't want to do everything. But I had, I had no sense of self. I always felt like I didn't know my own inner self yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the spiritual path, you idealize that. You know, you say you want to go beyond the ego. You don't want to have a sense of self. Yeah, that is the higher state of consciousness. So I idealized that. That's how I understood it. it. Might be my my understanding. Maybe not meant to be that way, but that's where it went with me. And then suddenly, in relating, and also in work with people, I was asked to be there. And what do you feel? And what do you want? And then what do you not want? Yeah. And what are your needs? Needs. It was like needs. 
I had no needs. I did what was asked of me and, and loved to sit at the feet of a master. I loved to meditate and, you know, I gave myself to work and it was very satisfying. Yeah? But me as a woman, I had not shown up yet. You know, and that is what then suddenly had to happen. And suddenly you you have to say, hey, who are you? You know, and then you suddenly, I realized that a lot of just saying yes to everything is abusive to myself. Mm -hmm. How I abuse myself. Yeah. And then that's not okay, you know. And then, of course, when I've seen... I've seen the depth of it. It also brought up a lot of anger against patriarchal structure because uh, as women, we so easily go into fear, you know. It's like you're afraid or it's not right what I have to say or, you know, what what patriarchy say, what the men saying, what, what the law is saying, what the church is saying. That is the truth, you know. And I, I completely rebelled against that. And then I went into the whole Bible and... You know, this whole thing, we are born in sin. I was like, how can you say something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. I was so angry about the whole thing. And then I looked into the whole Maria thing, and Maria was a whore, and, you know, and I mean, what collectively, what what are we, uh, what are we told, yeah, as women, who we are? I was, I was, it made me so angry. You know, and then of course I went. I researched and went into the Maria Gospels and the Philip Gospels and the, that they found in the Hamadi Desert in 1947. And then of course the, the church tried to, you know, they, they made it disappear because they didn't want to hear it. Right. But Jesus lived with Maria, and even further, there's a Danish guy called Lars Mool. He investigated it further, and he found out Maria actually was an initiate in an Egyptian esoteric school. And she came and initiated him, you know. <laughs> yes, you know, that's the truth. That's that's where that woke up then in me, kind of like, hey, you know, we have something to offer as women. We're not just like servants of the man to be so fantastic and so big. No, you know. Your story is so powerful because you got to taste really early on this like lustful story of this, this, you know, what now Disney movies have made as like the ideal thing that you could possibly have, which is like to be married into royal blood and receive all these things and la la la. And you tasted it like only briefly before realizing that there was something else, you know, and like what a gift that there was like there was like speed in that journey of like knowing that it wasn't full truth and then the exploration for you to move beyond that and for and for your husband to come with you like how incredible also for that part of the journey to happen and and it just seems like there was you have you have in this lifetime such an important role to play in what Lauren was talking about before and in creating these new pathways for people to walk across the spa the spaciousness that was created through your through your journey. It's just like, it, it's incredible to me because in ways I, I, I feel myself in, in your journey and, and, and aspects, right? Like 
having tasted like the illusions of wealth and then being like, well, this is not what I want. This is not what makes me happy. And then moving towards hippie and exploring, like I'm, I'm in that exploration phase and like, what, how can we unravel all these parts of ourselves? And everything you're saying right now is also like learning about the church, learning about Mary Magdalene, learning about, you know, all these things and who I am as a woman. So it's like your story is just like deeply impacting my entire being because I relate to it so much. And so it's just, it's just such an honor to like have this conversation with you. And, and I'm, I'm curious about, about like, who you are today because of it and what it is you still desire to explore, like what it is you've touched so many things and yet like what, what is the, the essence or the, the exploration that's still, still in you? Hmm, big question. Many different things, you know, and I, I, I'm in that process of, of really, uh, it's like having a dignity uh, in, in the, uh, as a woman and, and honoring that and not, you know, going into the into the stuff. On the other hand, it takes a lot of healing to do that. You know, and it takes a lot of inner work to go that way. Here, you know, as I know from myself, and I know also from the work I do with women, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage to unfold yourself like that. You know, also to get go against the col- col- collective expectation how we're meant to be. But I I had lately. Um, Somebody very close to me died in my arms three months ago. And uh, anyway, this is the second time after my husband died. And it was a very, very big shock for me. And, yeah, it has really put up a, a lot of questions for me. It's like, how do I want to live my last years, months, days of my life? You know, what really is essential at my age and uh what really is uh, a completion for me. And uh, I had the beautiful um, gift to be able to, through the death, to be able to contact a presence, what I haven't had with my husband because it was a different circumstances. And I I feel like I could really uh, bridge into the other world. You know, it is not that it's unfinished then. I felt like I bridged into the other world and I've been able to contact my husband and and just that bridging over towards uh, what we normally call death has really, really impacted me, you know, put things into perspective also what what I do here and, and how I want to live so i'm still in the process of digesting that i took a few months off just to just to go into it i didn't want to go back into just work 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 what i always do but give it time and and space and really feel it and allow myself to be in it but yeah i don't know what there is to complete just to just to and i see it just to become more and more light and less uh, heavy mm how I feel it inside of myself, you know, to be less working up all the, all the, you know, allowing that lightness to be there. This is also part of my age, you know, it's, I'm 73, so it's like, it is something also that is natural, you know, at that time, but at the same time, it's a be more, it's, I feel more, in many ways, more fragile and more, um, yeah, more lighter. You know, and I have to prepare for death. What is that? We're letting go. What what stays when we die? 
what what is you know and i know one thing love will always be there what i felt you know, the strongest thing i had love is all and i really if you love somebody that dearly that will carry you over no matter what happens you know so i look more for that that love not so much the physical that's also nice but uh, the other thing has such a such a big space when you taste that it's like oh my god what else you know of course we live here in this body i have a daughter i have grandsons you know well you know life life you know and of course i'm there and i love as much as i can Hi loves, excuse this interruption of this incredible episode. I wanted to pop in here and just let you know about something really awesome that's happening coming up. Circle Initiation, our beloved signature program, begins on April 11th. I want to share a little bit about Circle Initiation. It is a facilitator training. It is a training that helps you learn the ancient art of women's circles so that you can create sisterhood and transformation in your community. And also, it's much more than a facilitator program. It's really a healing of the ancestral wounds of the feminine that have kept us separate from our feminine power, that have kept us divided with sisters, So we go really deep into the reclamation of the global feminine, the great mother, and the healing of the patriarchal wounds, as well as diving into the shadows of sisterhood and really healing all of that so that we can have true belonging and safety and connection with other women. I love listening to your story and to your development as a woman both as a human and as a divine seeker, a divine being learning to be embodied on this planet. And I relate in so many ways, as Shana was saying, to your story, and I'm sure other women are going to feel pieces of themselves in your story. And you feel like, you know how we have like our our human people in the world who there are families, but then there's this like connection you have with some beings that feels like a spiritual lineage of some kind. Like you just feel we, for whatever reason, had similar dharma or I feel that with you. And I, I know that Shana is feeling that too. I can, I can attest to this psychically. And I love, it's literally my favorite thing in the world to have connections like that and to hear your story and feel so much of myself and also where I am right now. So much of your story resonates because I also, from lots of trauma, healed in a spiritual lineage and will continue to be within a spiritual lineage, but in that process of who am I as a woman? Who am I I as a woman on earth? And that process of how, you know, I think the conditioning of like, how do I trust my own nature? How do I trust the, what is temptation, quote unquote temptation, and what is my desire? And what is, what is the voice and the impulse to follow inside and to honor? And that's been my journey of like owning that sovereign 
knowing, embodying that sovereign knowing that I am well, I am good, and being alive is a gift. It's a gift and that my impulses are guiding me and that bridging and that balancing of we are here in bodies for a finite amount of time. And how do we spend that? And what I love in your story is that natural progression of age. I was in meditation today and I was reflecting on like the beginning of Shana and I's journey. And I was reflecting on relational patterns and ego structures that I've had with her. And I had a moment of like, oh, I wish I would have known what I know now. Why didn't I know what I know now? And I simply heard, because you were young. You were young. And and it's beautiful, the, the process of like becoming fully woman and then also recognizing as you're moving into your, your crone years of starting to bridge the world of I have become fully w- woman, but who am I post, post this body? Where am I going post this corporal existence? And I feel like there's so much wisdom in that place you're in that our patriarchal societies has never listened to or valued and to the degree that I think we all need to value and listen to. And so I'm curious about this work that has been arriving for you, the evolution of your work. You know, you developed Path of Love and the evolution of your work as you've gotten older and, you know, the shift from like the trauma focus to now where, like, could you explain a little bit of of the, how your work has evolved as you have evolved. Yeah, my God, I've been doing so much work, so trying to see what really has changed. Of course, we, we um, I do believe in the, that we need to be embodied, you know, and that in therapy, I always see as a first step, and, and especially women, but men also are often not embodied. You know, we, we think we're embodied, but we don't really feel ourselves. You know, I think that's one of the big things that, that we work with very strongly is really to arrive in the, in this physicality, you know, and of course at my age, you want to get out of the physicality, but you know, that, that is the, the natural progression. And that also is where you, when you are in trauma, you dissociate, you know, you're not really here. That's where so many people spend their time and they're not really here. They're, they're, they look at you, but you can see they're not really present. And then the, the, the thing, especially in the uh, female development, is like to heal uh, sexual abuse takes enormous patience and love, you know. And I mean, the the extension of sexual abuse in young people and in children is, 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 is like absolutely heartbreaking, you know, of course. And the more it comes mainstream, the more people speak, you know. And so it takes time and it takes courage, you know. And then the next thing I think it is important that that, um, that women, but also men, we have to deal with our anger. We have to deal with our anger. We have to deal with that energy because anger is life. It's life force. Once we say yes to it, it's, it's power, it's energy. And especially uh, as women, we become glorified victims. Yeah, you can, you're just like, oh my God. You know, we, we learned over centuries to become victims. Say yes to everything and suffer. And I, I think if we can learn consciously to deal with our anger, but also the men also need to deal with the anger, not only women. 
But women, of course, are furious. And yes, right so. You know, but how how to live it responsibly and not throw it out all over everybody. And I think that's an art, you know, to teach that to people, really to, to yeah, be angry, but it's my anger, you know. And then from there, of course, comes a natural sense of forgiveness or comes a vulnerability, a softness, you know, a receptivity. Yeah, and then once that receptivity comes, of course, then then we go wherever we need to go, you know. I feel it's very important that we bridge over also towards men, you know, because we are we have a male part, they have a feminine part. We need to deal with that. You can't just say, Oh yeah, just women suffering. No, it's not it's not so. Men also suffer, you know, they're equally today men are equally confused and not knowing what to do and how to stand in the energy and how to be with women and you know it's the same so i think it's a process you know that we're all in and um yeah it's a a process of awakening for men and for women i think it's an incredibly exciting time we've never had anything like this never ever we had anything like this, never, you know. And then you go and you look at the war in Russia, in, in Ukraine, you were like, oh, my God, please don't, you know. It's like it destroys everything. Where, where I feel like the movement is just going towards more consciousness. But anyway, it's happening, yeah. So the, the darkness, the light brings the darkness. The darkness brings the light. It somehow comes together, you know. So I feel it's such a collective awakening on one hand, and then on the other hand, there's such a collective darkness also, both. And, and, and we do what we can, you know. We, we go. I'm curious about your thoughts about processing anger, you know, for, yeah, yeah. for those of us that are timid to even approach that. Because it can be intense, like what you would suggest. Well, it's probably, first of all, it's good to feel yourself, first of all, you know, and to take responsibility. Mostly when we're angry, we blame somebody else. Yeah? We go, I'm angry because you did this to me, you know. And it's very, it takes a lot of uh, consciousness and, and responsibility to say, this is my anger, Yeah. But once people use it and you really own it, then it gives an incredible freedom of energy. In the path of love, we deal with that strongly, you know, we, we really, and, and of course you want to make it a safe space. You want to keep absolute safety, you know, because especially for women, no woman opens up if there's no safety, you know. We haven't had any safety for centuries, nothing. Nothing at all. So once if, once the safety is there, you know we have rules. You're not going to get hurt physically, emotionally, otherwise, and then we can deal with it, you know. But you need, most likely, you need help. I, I think it's very difficult to, do, to go through it by yourself. But unexpressed anger brings so many problems. Yeah, it, it's self-hatred. How many women today are on some bloody, uh, you know, Food, anorexic, bulimia, I mean, it's an epidemic. 
you know, looking at, at, at Instagram and comparing yourself, you're not too, not skinny enough, not this enough, not that enough, you know, it's just, that's anger against yourself. Yeah, that's hating yourself. It's an epidemic. We have to deal with it and how to deal with it in a positive way, but not in a negative way, you know, not in a, of course, it has to be held and has to be absolutely safe. I'm not saying go home and, and scream one hour. You, you know, some people can do it if they can contain themselves, but most people can't, you know, and that's why, why you have therapy and that's why you have groups where, you, where you're in a safe, contained, loving way, learn to deal with those things. But if you if you look at what comes out of anger, out of suppression, you know, it's endless. Women gossiping, women being castrating with men, you know, it, it's all this. It all comes from the same thing. I really love that you're bringing this conversation because we have, and I have. I'm going to speak for myself. I have definitely been caught in the trap of being a glorified victim and the processes of forgiving really men and my abusers has opened up deeper connection with women even and it's a hard thing to do you're right it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of courage to like imagine the one that hurt you look into their eyes and say oh I see your pain too I see your pain too And I feel like it's something that when we can do, then there's more availability for the self-love. There's more self-compassion that's available. The the self-hatred, all of that, I know very well. And it's been a process of year by year, year by year, year by year, becoming more and more capable of honoring my truth and loving myself while still loving others and acknowledging others beauty power pain completeness wholeness and instead of channeling my rage at one person recognizing the wound in the collective that we all have a responsibility in these times particularly that maybe is our primary responsibility actually to heal because we're not going to care about the planet if we're not caring about ourselves. We're not going to care about each other if we're not caring about ourselves. And so I really value your, it, it takes courage to actually call it out, I think, actually, because, you know, it's easy for us to band together as women and be like, we've been wronged. We've been so wronged and, you know, burn the patriarchy. And yeah, that rage needs to be honored. Like that rage is real. It needs to be honored. But the way we channel it differently, I just would love more specific guidance on the collective rage that we band together as women against men, how we can really work on that. I mean, if you, 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 I think anyway, it's wonderful to do circles with women that is that really suits women, that is a feminine form, and it's beautiful. You know, I like that. But one of the things that, that 
uh, when I work with women, I always the, the number one thing is take responsibility for and and then look at how how we I, I look at how how we live out our anger indirectly. Yeah, hating ourselves, food disorders, you know, gossiping with other women. You know, sometimes you hear women gossiping, talking about men. It's like, you know, chop, chop, chop. It's so castrating. Yeah, that's that's suppressed anger, you know, or or any kind of drug abuse or eating disorder, you know, or or I mean, America has a big problem with with uh, opiates. You know, because you can't handle life, so you take one painkiller after the other. These, this is all things to come to suppress who you really are. You know, and of course, we're not only angry; we're also afraid, and we're also wounded. Yeah, but the anger is such a force. You know, and often when the anger comes, then the real woundedness after that comes also out. Yeah, the anger is is that is that. You know, then we can't be angry. And you see it, I could see it in my parents. You know, my father was authoritarian and my mom then, yeah, 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 when he's there. And then when he's not there, she becomes completely manipulative. And that's what we do as women. We become such good manipulators, you know. We, we learned the art of manipulation because we were not allowed to say clearly, hey, thank you, I don't want to do this, yeah. We had to, you know, and we had to, to, to uh, uh, submit to that structure, you know, so we become manipulators, you know, behind the back, snaky and all those kind of things. What men, of course, hate in women, you know, but what is it fueled from? It's fueled from anger, you know, it's fueled, fueled from hate, fuck off. Yeah, but we don't dare to say that because we don't dare to stand up. You know, we go like, yeah, 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 dee, 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 dee. So, and then you can see, and, and then you, my, my big point is always then you look at mothers and how mothers then bring up their sons. That's how it gets put on, you know, that's how it continues, yeah. Then you try to hold the son very close because the husband is never there, so you have a son that loves you because your husband doesn't love you because he's always working, you know. And then you slowly, slowly create this confident, you know, your son who's your close person as an example. I'm just making an example, you know. But it plays out in so many different ways. Yeah. We have to to deal with that, you know, just as the men have to learn to become vulnerable and not just, you know, go to war all the time when they don't get what they want. I think the women have to own that energy and then from there a real a real love can come that is not so uh, painted by so many strange colors. And just as a as a long view how to do that with big groups but in small groups you can set it up you can make you know just do one exercise what happens if for one day you don't blame just try. I love that. That's a great that's a great thing. One day I did a fast 30 days of no complaining. I didn't <laughs> succeed in my fast, but I gave it a good effort. And then it created this exploration of like how do I speak my truth 
but not in the blamey, complaining energy, but how do I acknowledge what's real and not complain? That's like a whole other paradigm shift of like acknowledging truth and giving yourself what you need, but doing it with such ownership, which I think I'm still in process with. I am, me too. And in, in case of doubt, I go on to complain and blame. You know, it's a, it's automatic. It's just like the, yeah. The moment I don't speak, not I don't speak up for myself. I go into me, me, me. me you know, me, me, me. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I know when I do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just stop it. You know. But it's so automatic. We do it all the time. You complain about the weather. Oh, it's raining. What for? You know, it's just a, it's just a mechanism, you know, that some of us have. Of course, not everybody, but I know many women do it. But I think you can do so much work in those small circles by creating responsibility and teach people that it's okay to be responsible and it's okay to be direct and it's okay to also, you know, sometimes say, I don't want to do this. Or sometimes to say no. Boundaries is such a big issue for women, issue for myself. I have boundaries. Oh, my God. Sexual boundaries. I mean, my God, you know, talk, talk about boundaries. It is the same thing. Yeah, We have no right to say it's not okay for me, you know. We, we, we go with anything. We sell out. How do you address, because when, when I... When I approach the the conversation about taking responsibility, the one thing that usually comes up for me, and I think I've experienced it probably with other women, is, well, I was raped, um, or something of that, you know, higher magnitude, where it's like, how do I take responsibility for that? And so I'm curious about how you approach approach that. Of course, there, there. This is just a. I mean, you, you, you look at each individual differently. You know, when, when people get raped, it's a huge package. Yeah, and and first of all, it depends on how old the mother, the the kid, or the the child was. It a child? Was it a young girl? How how was the situation? Was it in the family? You know, and they had to keep it quiet. And uh, was it a friend of the family? Was it supported by the father? Was it supported by the mother? What What, what is the, the overall, and I find out, first of all, what is the whole situation, you know? And then also to look at some people have heavy trauma and they recover from it quite well. They have a certain resiliency and they come back and that's okay. And some people have a little trauma, but they cannot come over it because something in them isn't, strong enough or resilient enough to come through it, you know. And they, they need your complete support so that they that they feel that you're next to them. Yeah, in, in general I feel like with trauma is trauma is always about there's a part in us that is completely isolated. And as a therapist, as a, a facilitator, however you want to call it, I try to uh, come through that isolation. I try to find some way in to say, hey, I am with you. And I'm with you to go through this, you know. I'm with you if you have to cry a lot. I'm with you if you are outraged about everything. I am right there with you, you know. But that's my main move is to that they feel they're not alone. Yeah? And that might take, when you work with somebody, that might take a year. To until they allow you to be there with them, you know. 
It might take somebody's experience, you know, but I think it, the, the, the isolation is always the, the, the main thing is that you feel isolated. There was nobody there. Nobody said, hey, you look weird today. What happened to you? Nobody said anything. It happened. You know, nobody, nobody was aware enough to look into you, you know. So mostly that isolation, um, making, a, a, making a bridge into that isolated part and then things start to slowly open up. But sometimes it can take many, many years to get through those things, you know. And sometimes it's just like that. People can keep it off and they have a resiliency, they have a life, they have a boyfriend and their sex life is decent enough and, you know, they, they recovered. They took, they took that trauma and, and to move. People have very, very different um, experiences, you know. I worked years. As long as you don't think... With one yoga class and one group, you deal with all your stuff. You know, it's, it's an unfolding process of life. Yes. You know, of becoming a human being, become dignified, dare to speak up, you know. So it's, a, it's not just like one group. It's what we do. You're doing it ongoing. I do it ongoing. This journey of healing from trauma, particularly when it happens in childhood, like what you're speaking about when it happens in childhood, it has been like, the theme of my life and what I have found through all the different work, so many different work, but I want to just double down on what you said about somebody being able to see you and be with you in that really scary, hard thing to feel. For me, that has been the absolute most liberating. That is where I can access self-love for myself in those places. And I want to give a shout out to my, my, my partner. His name's Peter. And he, in so many ways, I mean, I had done so much work before I met him. So much work. Worked with different, I still work with many different people to, to heal. And in my relationship with him, when I would have a trigger or something, he would just so quietly, so peacefully, without any judgment, without any fear, be with me there. And there's something that's so integrating and healing about just being seen and being loved and not being judged in that spot. And I, I wish that for every single human being, like no matter what level of trauma they have, but to have that. But that in itself shows me that you have a certain resiliency to be able to have a boyfriend like that, you know? You very have often have abused women, and they choose the same guy again. And you go like, how many? How did you manage to find another guy who's equally abusive or also whatever? And and so it it shows to me that you have a certain resilience and you have a, a capacity to create a healing environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this is the time of your life where you're able to do that, and it took a lot of suffering to get there, but. But that, that's, that's where I feel like, ah, you know, ah, there it is, yeah? The, the flower is starting to open, you know? And then anyway, it, it always is a lot of work. It is like that, you know? To be a human being takes everything, I think. It takes all of it. Just like whatever, you know, I always say, it's like, you know, you, you play the piano, you do three notes, bing, 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 bing. But if you really want to be a whole human being, you have to use all the knots, you know, 
it takes a lot. It takes a, for me, it takes a lifetime. It's an unending discovery, really. So, Turiya, in the, the nature of this podcast, we talk about how now is the time of the feminine. And, you know, this feminine essence is emerging so that women can heal and we can reclaim, you know, our connection to the earth and to the inherent wisdom of the feminine essence. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. It, it's, it's more to really, um, like what you said before, first of all, uh, create connections. I think connection is so, so important. And that's why I'm, I'm so in, in, in support of the women's circle. We need connection, you know, and we need connections in realness, not in you're so nice and you're so sweet and so on and so on. We need we need connection to so that we can be real with our hurt and our anger and our ego, de, you know, and our ego defenses sometimes. It's all part of it. And th that connections is, I think, what eventually creates the healing. Yeah, I think the, the circles are very, very important. And one of my Sufi teachers, who uh, a guy who I really love, he once said, and I always remember that, that women actually have a sacred substance inside. You know, in a woman's body, life can get created. Yeah, there is something sacred. If you, if you, not that I'm saying everybody has to be pregnant, but there is a, something sacred happening in the woman. Like life comes out of a woman's body, you know, and it is an absolute miracle how that is grown out of a body. Look, we, we can't explain it. We don't know what it is really, you know. So I feel like if we can once in a while remember that, that sacredness inside, you know, once in a while just remember what is that, you know. I was there when my, my grandson was born and it is... It's an absolute miracle that suddenly this child comes out, you know, pop. And it's, I was like, wow. And then I thought the same way we also go out again. Same way. I thought it's the same way how we die. We come, we go, and then by the end, you know, thy will be done. We're guided by something bigger. I am guided by something bigger. I think we all are. If we could just remember that sometimes. You know, and we have to do our homework. We have to heal. We all got big wounds inside there and we gotta heal, you know. We have to heal and that's that's what we're here for and, and you're doing it. We're doing it. You're certainly doing it, you know. That's what brings us together here. Right. Thank you. So for our last question which is very similar to the last one, but we ask all of our guests this. If in this moment you were a vessel as a daughter of the Great Mother to speak her message to all of us, what message would she speak through you? It's just remember who you truly are and trust that. You're not like anybody else you are a unique creation of art there's nobody like you you know you're a piece of art that wants to be painted 
Trust that. You're not going to be like anybody else. Try have the courage to say, yes, this is me. You know, and love and give and, you know, love is all. We can really, really, really love. And, and we know what it takes to love. You know, that's what we're talking about, to heal our hearts. Mm. And so it is. Thank you so much, sisters, for listening to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. If you enjoyed this episode with Toria, we highly suggest you look her up. Go to toriahanover.net. Her work is powerful. Definitely dive in and learn more about her and about the path of love. And if you're ready to take the next step in your journey right now, whether you're feeling stuck or whether you're feeling like you're wanting to expand and spread your wings, Circle Initiation, our signature program, begins April 11th. It is so much more than a facilitator training. It is a complete transformation into feminine embodiment and trusting in our feminine wisdom and gifts. It's a powerful journey and you're invited to join us. Go to globalsisterhood.org slash circle dash initiation to sign up. And as always, we're so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening. We are on this journey and we have big plans coming up. We will be taking a short break coming fairly soon. We will let you know about that. If you are enjoying this journey with us, please go ahead and leave us a review. We are so honored and grateful to be building this community and for all of us to be learning from these epic teachers together. A deep bow to you and talk to you next week.